Hi folks and welcome back to another episode of Reload Podcast. I'm your host Connor McCann and joining me as always are Lee Maxwell and Nigel Lamont. So you'll be glad to hear after the last episode's conspiracy theory topics back in episode 54, we're talking about a sense this time. We're speaking facts or as factual as we get, I will add. You have to <laughs> get the caveat in there. Um, Nigel has a... Ten hats are being set to one side. Oh, we're good. We're good. We got it yeah. out of the system. Um, so Nigel has a topic lined up for us today, which we'll touch on later on. Yep. But before we get into that, guys, what's new use? Yeah, so I discussed it, discussed it, talked it last time that I bought my wife a new car, so that meant the Edition 30 was surplus to requirement, but it isn't anymore because I taxed and insured my own name. I was going to say, I see that there, yes. yeah. So that's what I'm driving today. Um, so it's dangerous times for a bank account. Um, when Laura had it, I said, no mods, no mods. Now, dangerous thoughts are crossing my mind. But well, as I said before, I'll not be going too extreme with it. You can quote me on that. Famous so, last words. Yeah. Um, well, the conversation we had out there literally started with you saying that drive's so nice, yeah. everything's standard, that's the way it should be, to then going, ah, coilovers and blah. No, like, but yes. I, I know in my head the limit I will go with that car because I don't want to go down the old edition 30 route. Yeah, sort of three so or four mods and leave it at that. Think, I think I've said before, nice suspension, uh, 10 mil spacers, refurb the wheels, I've shown you them, yeah. and... Uh, just tidy up, just good OEM plus car. It's, see for a car like that where you just want to chip away at wee things and just look at this, look at this and no major expense and just a bit of time, like an afternoon doing this, that and the other, which is probably not something that you have going yeah. by your normal schedule. Yeah, that's but very true. <laughs> it's nice to just chip away and see the gradual improvement in it. Yeah. Staying on Mark 5s then, my track car, I was uh, off a few days during the week, so... I brought it back from the dead, started it up, jacked it up to see what we're looking at work-wise to get it halfway near the track. So there was a long list made. There's calipers seized. Ooh, there nice. was a leak from the exhaust, which I've now discovered is the downpipe is completely rotten. Nice. So that's a curveball. Luckily, it, I have a decadded downpipe sitting on the shelf. Is it a standard downpipe, was yeah, it? Ah, yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah, uh, rotten downpipe, needs new drop links, rear caliper seized. Are you looking to put it on the road or just solely a track well, car? Well, here's the thing. I want to do a track car, but I want road legal because it has a really nice VW racing reg on it. Oh, yes. Well, we'll talk about that after then. Yeah. Um, I see. Other than that, you don't really care about actually driving it on the road to or from the track kind of thing. You're happy enough to drive it. No, it's not a car to insure tax if well, I do that true, carry yeah. on, But yeah, I would like to get that reg transferred off it. What's yeah. the shell like? Is there much rot or no Mark 5s are pretty bad it's for that? not too bad. Not too bad. That's good, yeah. Um, it had a paint job probably about five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. But not the usual Mark 5 um, issues. Teabag? Yeah. Yeah, I'll touch on something like that the later new, on. The new Mark 3, yeah. Oh yeah, they really are. They're an absolute <laughs> disaster of a car. Like, for something that's so good, the body just lets them down. It's an yeah. absolute bucketful. yeah. Uh, just to finish, uh, I was just doing a bit of shed clear out as well up the yard, so looking about some new shelving maybe, and I think I'll probably be starting to sell some old Volkswagen bits and bobs as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, yes. I'm just sitting looking at it going. Make me a list. Clear it, clear it out, you know. There's so. probably something that we want. Yeah. Um, shelving wise, are you looking at something like if you pardon the pun off the shelf or are you looking like pallet racking type stuff it'll be a mixture of pallet racking and smaller if you're stuck for something there's a guy in our mass sells second hand pallet racking if you google a go on Gumtree although you're 
brother-in-law probably sort of that no well uh fellow play football with he actually owns a business in Velosk, which is called elevate which is shelvin and i must remember that that's pretty good <laughs> he actually traded at year three at dubshed right yeah with pallet racking yeah that's actually not a that's not a trader i would have imagined at a car show but when you imagine there's lunatics that also yeah. want to store parts it makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. that you then that's me yeah um i'll start with I've actually been working on cars, and properly working on cars this time. So unfortunately, there weren't any of mine or Lee's. It was Stefan's. So Stefan bought a GTD Jetta, Mark II Jetta. Right. Um, did you see the car? No. No. No, he bought it a while back. Really nice car. Come out of the south. Stefan is this thing where he likes to strip the floors back. So he'll pull the interior out and literally strip the floor back to bare metal. So it takes all like, the bitumen off it, um, just with a heat gun and scraper. And then the residue that's left off will actually remove with, uh, you can use like kerosene or you can use like TARDIS or anything like that. what's he doing that for? Just to see what's there. Oh, to see the shell. Yeah, the car's going for paint, it's getting a full paint job. And he just wanted to see what was there. And lucky enough he did because there was a... Turned out to be a teabag. Aye, there was a a few (laughs) sieve-like areas. So me and him spent the guts of a week or so Mm -hmm. at it, welding at it, and it's back to totally solid. But you know one of those cars where it's like, I'm glad I did this because... You like it looked clean, it looked tidy. It just needed like actual paint and a few wee the, the lower like below the latch panel on the boot had gone a wee bit and stuff like that. Um, so it'd been a bit of a sickener to have the car painted at a cost of a couple of grand and then go and do that yeah. kind of thing. So that no, was good. Um, it was an absolute ball buster of a week because we had a deadline of this is going to paint kind of thing. And I think he gets up at like four in the morning. I get up at six, and then we were coming home. I'm working at his till like half 11, 12 o'clock at night and then rinse and repeat. I think for about four days, the only time I spoke to Lee was in bed. I'd ever seen her. Getting flashbacks to the time you painted the Mark III for Castle Wells. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I love a good deadline. But that's that's the first we've done anything like that in a long time, which was, it was good. As much as an absolute killer it was, it was nice to get back into something like that. Plus, GTD Jet is something a bit rare. You know, it's, it's a cool car. Hi, everybody. Connor just said a diesel was cool. Ah, it's an old diesel and something a bit different. Wouldn't go, wouldn't go that far. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, as we've talked about before, we're off to Florida. So this, when this goes out, we'll be in Florida. Oh yeah, um, not jealous at all. No, I'm still shouting myself because we we'll have to COVID test, as I say. I would, I would prefer to be doing night shift than going to Florida myself. This ah, week, I would say you, know? you would. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing as good as night shift. Yeah, like, it it's just really brings out the inner Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. There's no point hiding it. Just go night shift to bring out your inner self. Yes, exactly. So we're away for two weeks. We have something lined up so we won't be missing any actual episodes. The uh, People's Car Podcast guys in the States have offered to record with us. So we'll do a sort of collaboration with those guys. Swapcast. Yep. I I actually, when you said that, I was like, oh, that's a cool name for that. I really use that term. And then I I was telling (laughs) Stefan, he says, oh, that's a swapcast. And I'm like, am I the only person that hasn't heard this term? (laughs) Stefan's a true podcast guy. He is. Oh, he's the OG. You and him got me into this. Yeah. So, yeah, we initially thought two podcasts turning up at the one show would be a bit of a standoff, like in Anchorman. But the best meme of the month was produced. I like that. (laughs) So, uh. The guys extended the olive branch. I don't see it. Well, there's two options. They're either the bigger men or they're wee bitches and we're afraid. Oh, I dear. like the, the latter option. We'll <laughs> see when we get there. Um, so that should be good. Lee, you know other news for us? Um, my only real news is garage progress. Yes. Yay! Early listeners will remember that you and I were... We've been the, talking about building a garage for like the last two years. Yeah, and when we started this, we were actually had 
the base dug out, we put up a retaining wall, everything was good to go. And then shit hit the fan and it never happened. And then with all the materials prices rising, it went up and up and up. And we finally have found a guy to do it. So we went and met him yesterday. Yeah. And finalized a few things and it's going ahead. So Because like, no joke, two weeks ago, I was despairing. This is like the wheel polishing thing all over again. Yeah. Where you contact people and contact people and contact people and they don't come back to you. They won't give you a price and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm trying to give you money. And I was at the point two weeks ago where I was going to do the John 44. Who's the man? Any man can build me a shed. Oh, yeah. Any, yep. You know, one of those. Because that seems to be the only way to actually get anything Nine done. Nine different companies I've contacted. And I... <laughs> I can go through the same thing with a bit of work I needed at the rear of my house. It's mental, like repair work. Yeah, it can't get anybody Pretty to do anything. Enough. Yeah, I what you had said before. Yeah, that absolutely mental. Um, but this guy, I think we we only just found him. I found him on Facebook. He had advertised, and we we had never contacted Always him a good before. Place to look. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he came straight back with like a proper email, like professional email. And he got uh, back to me in less than about 18 hours. And when he says, oh yeah, I'll get back to you, I was like, yeah, I've heard that before. I'll speak to you in six weeks' time. And straight back. Took us up yesterday, walked us around the facilities. This is where we bring the steel in. Give us a whole tour of the whole factory, what to do. Lo- local guy? Or? Uh, Dungannon, Dungannon, which it seems to be where most of them come from. But uh, couldn't have been uh, couldn't have been better. So hopefully that continues. So I guess probably, what, about 10 weeks or so, we'll have something sorted. Sweet. Touch wood, fingers yep. crossed. So we'll keep these Did up you just that. have to give them the plans and say what you need or what? Uh, we literally just gave them the description of what we want. So size-wise, 15 metres by 8 and metres. And they're installing it? Yep. So yeah. we'll get the base sorted and they come and just, they'll manufacture it, galvanise everything and then deliver it and put it up. Is that the beams plus the cladding? Or? Everything, yeah. Oh, that will literally be right down to the, the doors, roller doors, roller motorized, doors. motorized, yeah. motorized roller doors and everything. So... Yeah, it's, no, know yourselves. Ten weeks. Where does that take you to? Uh, just about two weeks after Dubshed or so. That's perfect. Yeah, that's what we thought, and we wanted to get a, the ball rolling before we went to America because that's another two weeks that you're not sitting thinking about it because you're going to be away. Yeah, yeah. So even with the concrete base, we were like, "Look, how do we sort out for like where the reveals and the doors drop into? Do you give us a base plan?" He says, "Don't you worry about that." He says, "When your guy's going to do your concrete, give him my number and I'll send him everything. We'll take you guys out of the equation." I was like, "How could you be bad to that?" Fantastic. So. It's nice to meet somebody who's actually but a professional about their business. Customer service. Focus, yeah. yeah. So especially taking us in round, explaining the whole process and showing us the, yeah. their facility. Like I was very impressed with that. So that was nice. Um, I think that's us, is it? Yeah. yeah. We move on to the news. Nigel, do you want to start us off? Yeah, well, can't really talk about news and motorsport and cars without talking about the first round of WRC this year and that was the Monte Carlo on yes. the 22nd, 23rd of January. There was quite a few major points to talk about really. Yes. First is the old 47 year old Sebastian Loeb just knocking a win out of the park. Yeah well I felt like I was 10 years younger watching him race. Yeah. You know it's a bit of time traveling him and Nogia as well. Like he, he, he was dominant in the 2000-2010 era basically. Yeah. I think this last win just, was 12. He's just floating about the past eight or nine years, just between like GT racing. Yep. He's just on Dakar. Dakar. Oh, that's right as well. Yeah. He, he basically stepped out of Dakar and done this. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, so he was uh, his 80th major win in motorsport, only a week after finishing second in Dakar in the BRX uh, Bahrain raid 
ProDrive car. That's like I always say, like that never leaves those guys. You know, you just have to keep going fast. Yeah. yeah. I was in, he, he signed, a t- is it a full-time deal he has with uh, M Sport, Malcolm Wilson's team? Uh, it actually was only signed for that one race. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what, if they'll see, bring him on. at the end of last or, year he signed for, a, it was like described as a part-time Yeah, like a part-time contract. But if he's going to do that. Why get, not just come back? Get the contract back. I'd say, Elton, you know. I'd say your man Malcolm's like, yeah. here, what's happening here? So they're on the hybrid Puma WRCs, and you can't talk about the M Sport team without talking about Craig Breen. Yes. We're talking the last episode about his uh, practice run. Yeah, where he had where a he bit of an the bridge. Off. Yeah. Yeah, so he came back strong, finished third with co driver Paul Nagel. So well done, Craig Breen. Stepping up. So these cars replaced the old style cars, which was the World Rally cars, and they're now called Rally One. Yeah. What do you think of them? Yeah, pretty cool. They don't seem as quick. Yeah, somebody actually put up a video was saying Andrew. I think it was Andrew Walker, wasn't it? It was a comparison between last year's and yeah, this year's. Yeah, yeah. Him and I were chatting about it. See, they've lost the likes of the center diff. So on stages like that, where you have. Um, you know, it's like loose and slippy. You're not getting the same grip and go where it'll be interesting to see them maybe on a tarmac stage where they will be that bit faster. Yeah. But, you know, they've lost a lot of stuff in regards like they're down to five-speed box now, five-speed sequential, no center diff, um, with the weight of the hybrid to sort of cart around yeah. as well. I think off the line, they're a lot sharper because of the hybrid system, but overall, I don't think they're as fast. But then is that like, you know, that championship trying to rein it in a bit like they did with Group B, you know, are things getting too fast for them? Will they have to say, right, we need to claw this back a wee bit? don't know, but um, the new roll cage in the new cars worked well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, on the, I think it was the same day Craig Breen has a crash, or maybe the day mm-hmm. after. Um, the M-Sport driver, Adrian Formeau, I think is how you pronounce it. The video went viral of him. That was a bad smash. Basically going barrel rolling over a barrier and down a cliff. You see, I think the reason they're so good is too, they're basically a space frame now. They're not like a production car modified you know they're they're not based on a production car anymore so they are like a proper space frame chassis so you can build the passenger cell like the safety cell to however you want but it's it's good hopefully i'm trying to keep an eye on it because i have said before i dropped out of rallying for a long time you know, watching it and now that it's something new i'm trying to keep an eye on it and see where it's going to go but hopefully it does well, well. i think it'll explode once this tried to survive yes that would be out. good yeah mm-hmm. it'll be mental then i would say well, speaking of um, people who retire from whatever and need something to do, our mate Kimmy, not Kimmy the cat, Kimmy Raikkonen. Oh, yep. Have you heard his latest appointment? No. Uh, he's been appointed team principal of the Kawasaki motocross racing team. Right. Ah. So that's... Uh, well, you're not going to get shouted at by Kimmy, like, are you? Well, you will, but it'll be about four words. <laughs> Most of them fuck. <laughs> So he has raced motocross in the past. Yep. He actually, I think he set up his own team at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a quote from him. He says, it'll, it'll, I'll be more animated speaking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Try think droll. Uh, now I've retired from racing, I'll be able to spend more time on this project. Not on the daily issues, but more from a strategic point of view, using my experience of how teams work and what creates success on the world stage. Everyone is delighted that Kawasaki has chosen us to be the factory team. I know that the chance of success is always greater with direct factory support. So this translates into a great opportunity for us as the new Kawasaki racing team in motocross GP. Was that an interview or was that a statement? I don't know. It's, it's a definitely a statement. Is, is that, that a manager he, type that up? Yeah, I was going to say, a secretary wrote that. 
Um, have you guys seen the new Highway Code rules and laws? Yes. That's, I have that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we need to talk about that. So, like, just to sort of put things in context, I ride a bike. Yeah. Just like everything in life, there's arseholes and there's good there's good drivers and there's bad drivers. Cycling's the same. Yeah. Bit of common sense indeed in all situations, but this new highway code thing is ridiculous. I so I've always th- said I have the utmost respect for cyclists like you who are cycling to work. Yeah. Absolutely not a problem. It's the fucking lycra clad Sunday morning arseholes that can get fucked. Nigel's one of them too. No, he's not. Occasionally. <laughs> no, but he goes like and does downhill and like mountain biking and stuff, like not on the road, don't you? No, yeah. he does. He does road stuff too. The do you odd, do road stuff? The odd, the odd time. Oh dear. We're oh, witnessing no. the split oh, of no. Reno podcast here. <laughs> We're in trouble, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, so just for anyone that hasn't seen this, it, it, there is a number of things that we talked about before. We're all new cars from July onward. You're getting speed limiters. So that's included in this. Oh, fuck that. Which will be, it'll use a mixture of cameras and GPS. Oh, goody. To read the road and see the limiter speed. You Watch can, the price of used cars go up even further. Exactly. Though. Well, it you can override it, but if they're using GPS to track your speed, they're obviously using, they can see it. So if you have an accident and you've overridden it, you're probably just going straight to jail. Big Brother is definitely watching you yep. more. Keep the Mark 1s on the road. Um yeah, so it's included, like, EV grants are going down, so they're starting to get people with that. Uh, mobile phone usage is tightened up, but that has been a thing for a long time. But See, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Yeah, that's grand. But the main thing is, and this is a quote from it, it says, The Highway Code has been updated, giving priority to pedestrians and cyclists. A new hierarchy of road users puts more responsibility on the drivers to protect those who are more vulnerable. So essentially, Yeah, if so the hierarchy is based on... How vulnerable. How squishy you are. The relevant thing is in a crash. So, like, cyclists have to look out for pedestrians. I think motorcyclists have to look out for cyclists. Cars have to look out for cyclists and motorbikes and pedestrians. HGV drivers basically have to look out for everybody. Even though they're the <laughs> but one... how, how can they look out for everybody when they're on their phones all the time? Exactly. <laughs> I work in the docks. I rarely go past a lorry where a man's not on his phone and... How in this day and age do lorries, modern lorries, not have Bluetooth for their phones? I don't think it matters to them. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't look up Tinder dates on, on Bluetooth. Yeah, the idea is to, according to the press statement, promote an environment where everyone looks out for everyone else. However, the wording of the code does stress that the hierarchy does not remove the need for everyone to behave responsibly. So at least that is good. Yeah, so one of the changes I've seen was for years now, there's been a lot of fights online and all the rest of it about two cyclists riding to a breast. Riding to a breast. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. always a grey area. And now they've said, yeah, you can do that. But the, before it had said in acceptable could, circumstances you could do that. But there's cyclists I know and they just do it for badness. They're just going to do it anyway. It doesn't yeah. like, you know yourself they're out and about. But like, you know yourself, if you're out and about, even say, in a former work environment just to cover my ass there's rules and regulations you have to adhere to but you don't do them and nobody does them and it kind yeah. of becomes the norm that's what happens on the road it's like there is things in the highway code that says you should or shouldn't do do you indicate every time no you don't not if you drive a bmw no <laughs> so uh there's must be a bit of bmw about the bora but <laughs> the what i mean is you'll always get no matter what those rules say you'll always get cyclists doing this or road users doing this yeah. or it's just one of those things. I think it smells of 
people uh, haven't worked for the government for many years and what I've seen happen, it smells of uh, Whitehall, high civil service, gimps sitting in an office going, this would be a great idea. Oh, yeah. Pushed by the woke green oh, bullshit. 100%. And yeah. that, that is what it's produced. It's all this the fucking thing that you mentioned last week about, what is it? Move more, pollute less, whatever the fuck it was. French, the <laughs> move less, pollute more. Uh, that, my one. Yep. That sounds better. <laughs> what, what scares me is the statements that are coming out from Irish governments, from British governments, from, you said the French government says basically your days in the car are numbered. Yeah. And like they're trying to push it more responsibility. Like, oh, but, well, I'm sort of getting sidetracked in my own head here but like when you're behind the wheel of a car it's somewhere between a ton and two ton of steel you have to have responsibility there's no doubt about that no matter what you're doing yeah it's still a dangerous machine but those around you still do like if a pedestrian steps off the footpath into the road and you can't get stopped you know you're not responsible but at the times you are held they'll always be investigated or yeah. like you see those videos in london where a cyclist will cut up the inside of a lorry or a bus and well, thing, that's just natural selection, but in my opinion. <laughs> but according to these rules, they're the bus driver's fault. So that, can, that'll that'll make for some interesting court cases, basically. It will, yeah. It, uh, and the, the first case for that will set a precedent for going mm-hmm. ahead, but it'll be a big case. And God love whoever is involved in that, because that'll be an absolute hanging session. <laughs> you know, they're not going to want to prove their own rules wrong. Good times ahead. Indeed. I think they have the new thing where... You have to give way to pedestrians crossing now. So does that mean if I'm driving along a road and there's no pedestrian crossing and somebody's standing there to wait, I have to stop in the middle of the road to let them across? No. I can't get my head around that. You have to, be sec- you have, to have psychic bars now. Ah, oh, right. Text you. It must be, uh, well, if Not you came to a zebra crossing, obviously <laughs> pedestrians have the right of way anyway. Yeah. But I think the one I read about was if you're turning onto a road yeah. and there's a crossing, then you have to stop. In the middle of a junction. Yeah. But I think, now I don't know, but I just... I thought that was always the case anyway. When a motorist turns into a road mm-hmm. and some a person goes in, I thought the pedestrian had the right of way. Now they've made, I thought that was always the case anyway. I would say if they were on the road, they would have yeah. right away. But if they're waiting to cross, which the wee diagrams that show this, the person standing on the footpath, mm-hmm. waiting to cross. What that doesn't show you in the diagram is that car coming to an abrupt halt just turned in that junction and, and the fella behind getting yeah. rear-ended. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think it's like that in America. Now, I don't know because I haven't really looked into it, but I know from being in New York and crossing the streets, you do see that where usually taxis and stuff where they are turning in and they stop. Because you know the way they have that like turn right on red oh, thing? Yeah, yeah. But then if you're turning into a road, if it's, you turn know, because re- New York right is like a red. grid, it basically goes... All that traffic goes, and then all the cross traffic goes. So if you're turning into the cross traffic, that pedestrian light then would be green. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think they tried to introduce roundabouts into America a few years ago, didn't they? And they ended up traffic circles. Oh. Yeah, they <laughs> call them traffic circles. They ended up in lots of crashes, so they ripped it out and went, nah. I don't know what their aversion to roundabouts is, but when we drove from Stewart Airport, which is like two hours or so north of New York City, down to York and Pennsylvania, which was like a what maybe five hour drive. Mm. We went through one roundabout, and then on the way back up, we came to the roundabout, and I said to Leah, "I was like, oh, there's the roundabout." <laughs> where I grew up in a city where there's, I, is there twenty seven or thirty odd roundabouts in Craigavon? Like, I've been in Orlando a few times, and 
It's just drive, traffic light, stop. Drive, traffic light, stop. And most of the traffic lights are complete bullshit and take two to three minutes to change. That's why we want to get out of that as soon as possible. It's just cheaper. You need to get the traffic flowing a bit better here. The one thing that gets me, um, some of the roundabouts off the motorway here have traffic lights on them. Yeah, therefore is, they're not a roundabout yeah, anymore. they're totally counterintuitive. Moira, um, the, the big one at Lisbon there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we go around that when we go to your house and it's just like, this well, is Moira, counterintuitive. Well, Moira's only temporary lights. They're not on all the time. Yeah, true. Yeah, fair enough. Moira is usually a normel roundabout. And I suppose that's to let you off the motorway to it's stop to let you off the up. slip road. But the one at St. Field might as well not be a roundabout. Sandy Nose is the same. No, it's Sandy Nose. Sandy Nose. <laughs> There we go. You know cool. one, Angel? Sorry for the rant. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think probably about four or five episodes, I reported good news about WRC Ireland 2022. But, you know, our government's really cool. Yep, they love stuff. Always <laughs> doing things, making right decisions. So here we go. UK misses out on 2022 WRC round as Northern Ireland plans collapse. <laughs> the United Kingdom will be absent from the WRC calendar in 2022 after plans to bring rallying's top tier to Northern Ireland collapse. Um, so it was basically meant to take place uh, 18th to the 24th August. And that was meant to be the Northern Ireland spot. But basically, cut a long story short, there was meant to be a £2 million cash injection by Stormont. Uh-huh. Guess what they did? Pocketed it. Didn't give it. Said, nah, yeah. you're not getting that. Lined their pockets. They had inquiries to fund and... It's just mental. Chinese PPE that's like paper mesh to buy. Yeah. So... They had to do another inquiry under the fucking flag on City Hall, no doubt. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, yeah. There's nothing our government loves more than opening the books and go, what have, oh, what have the people got on? Well, I'll just cancel that. Yeah. So yep. uh, that's disappointing. Here's a statement from Hugh Chambers, who is Motorsport UK CEO. Uh, UK WRC event is complex and resource intensive, and as such, is reliant on significant government support. Motorsport UK is not a for profit members organisation. It's not constituted to fund events of the scale of the WRC directly. In the summer of 2021, a detailed funding application was submitted to Tourism Northern Ireland, and this was subsequently passed to the Northern Ireland Department for the Colony. Having identified a potential date of August 22, it's widely recognised that a 12 month lead time would be needed due to the impact of the pandemic. It became in- inevitable that the governments would reappraise expenditure. And as a result, the business case assessments for WRC event in Northern Ireland became more protracted than normal. By mid December, the increasing financial risks for Motorsport UK of the underwriting of the event basically went down the tubes. Literally, all he had to say was, for fuck's sake. That yeah. would have summed that entire thing up. Stormont fucking suck. A lot of angry local WRs or rally fans have been seeing their social medias. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like- coming out of a pandemic when we've had no tourism, which this country relies heavily on for the last two years, and this huge event that could have brought so many people. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, no, we're, too, we're too lazy to do that. <laughs> but on the same token, um, there is so many grants being set up by local council and government yeah tourism grants yet two million pound which in the grand scale of things is very little they've ditched that mm-hmm. so yay Agreed. Stormont uh, yet again um have you said anything else sir all good i have one more follow-up from a previous news uh that i had 
few episodes back, I mentioned that the Bad Boys Porsche 964 Turbo, the black one. That's right, yeah. Was you can't, going you can't for, say for Bad auction. Boys without the song in your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just say it. Uh, so it has just sold at auction. Do you want to hazard a guess, Nigel, at the, the price? Uh, right. Uh, no. Go I, ahead. I was way off in my first guess. What did you guess? I guessed 350-odd thousand. I, what I mean is I was way off. So it must be close to a million then, is it? Over. Wise up. Yep. $1.3 million. So that must be just a billionaire just throwing money about went, yeah, for I'll his collection. So the Porsche was formerly owned by Michael Bay. I think he actually owned it and put his own car in the film at the time. A good investment, some might say. And then he sold it to his friend for 60 grand. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> who then sold it later for 45 grand. All right, so so both of them are here. kicking themselves now, I would say. Sounds like Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, do you ever hear him talking about his cars of the past? No. That basically were worth a fortune now and he sold them cheap. Oh, yeah. it's, hindsight's wonderful. So it was one of uh, fewer than 350 964 turbos built for the US. 3.6 litre flat six, five-speed manual. It only had 34,396 miles on it, so it's a pretty... Like new. But still, holy shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I don't have any more news, but I do have a slight rant, and it's short and sweet. So, Unleash the dogs, Connor. This is the place for it. At the minute, car prices are rising, as we know. Yes. It's depressing. Second-hand cars have probably never been more expensive, never mind your classics going absolutely through the roof. So if you're going to do an advert for a car, specifically a 30 grand Supra, when you put this advert together, you'd want as much information on it as you could get okay. you want decent pictures you don't put all these pictures up and then say the car is now on different wheels these pictures are one year old it's since had this that and the other done with it for a 30 grand car for, sorry for a 30 grand 30 year old toyota to put it into perspective would you not take fresh photos like if i'm buying something like that especially if especially your big big money i want photos of every inch of it you know, we want to see everything in detail. Well, a prime example of how to sell a car is collecting cars website. Yeah. Detail. I think you have to submit a minimum of 80 photographs. That's how it should be done. Yeah. And so, I think it's and a word description limit or minimum. A, a small a small paragraph of what the car is about. And then afterwards it says, it would only let me write a small description here, which as we know is absolutely bollocks because Facebook, you could put, you could type from now to next week. And there's PM no limit. for details, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not the fucking Belfast Telegraph where you have 50 word limits. Yeah. You have to really think carefully about what words you're going to put in. Even Twitter allows 250 <laughs> words now. Exactly. You could sell on Twitter. So there's that. Or another one, another pet hate that I absolutely detest is cars sitting good to go, just a few simple jobs to do. If they're that simple, just do them. Or needs little for MOT. Yeah, just do it then. Ready for MOT. Yeah. Just MOT it then. It yeah. drives me absolutely <laughs> fucking bananas. Like, chancer. Aye. But for 30 grand, like, you wouldn't accept that going to buy a brand new car at 30 grand. No. So why would you do for that? Which is probably a lot of hidden history, that's the thing. I just, something I wanted to get off my chest. So if you are going to sell your 30 grand Supra, or I don't care if it's a £1,000 Golf, put some fucking photos up that are fresh. Like, there's no excuse. This, here we go, we're on, we're on a roll now. This happens at Dubshed. You get a, into the selection process mm -hmm. oh I didn't have fresh photos I guarantee you that person posted that that uh, application from a phone which has a camera on it yes there we go fresh photos in your hand 
Thank you very much, folks. Good and that completes Connor's rant for the week. Drives me mad. Don't be so lazy. Go. Cool. <laughs> Is that us for the uh, the news then? Yes. Uh, well, we'll, we'll YouTube. Have we'll, we'll, more we could sort of combine this in the news. Oh yes. We've got show dates Go that it. have been announced. We're sort of teasing on, so we'll just run through. Uh, Irish car shows, basically. Well, car shows UK, Ireland, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So here's a rundown. Dubshed, second and third of April. Whoop whoop. Icon Lisburn. Uh, get your cars entered. Tickets go on sale 1st of March. Uh, you have to get your car entered for an indoor application system. You have until the 4th of March, the Friday, whatever that is. I think it's the 4th. Uh, secondly, we talked about MLVW will be dropping a date. So their show, it's, they've renamed it now, the Euro Project. It's actually a two-day show now with Camping, Road Run and a Show and Shine. That's the 7th and the 8th of May. I'm looking forward to that. Cracking show. Yeah. Um, also, Niles' show, Old School and New School, they dropped their date. It's the 17th of July. That's St. Mel's College, Longford. We actually interviewed Niles down at That's right, yeah. 21. That was a great day last year. Great variety of cars down there. Definitely worth going. Uh, another favourite of ours is Clean Fest, run by Keep It Clean Guys. Uh, it's in Edinburgh at the Royal Highland Showgrounds. 10th to the 11th of S- September. Connor, you've got some dates as well. Yeah, I have two here, Dad. Uh, let's stand. Do you say Dad or two Dad? dad. Well, dad. I will call you Dad. I'll <laughs> podcast Daddy. Right, son. Crack on. Creepy, is it? <laughs> hey, Daddy. Um, so the two I have, Dad, is Let's Dance are back with their solo show. It's in Maharfelt, I believe, and it's on the 7th of August. And Waterford Park and Chill Guys are on the 21st of May, when I just realised I hadn't written these in order. Uh, they're back with their castle and cars in Johnstown, Wexford, mm-hmm. or Waterford it probably is, because they're Waterford Park and Chill, but I didn't write that down. But it's one of those two towns which are fairly close. You know where they are. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've, I'm hoping VAG drop a date for a show soon too. Yeah, we haven't been down to that show in a long time. It's usually at the go-kart track. Yeah, I've never it. actually been to the go-kart track that was as well. Great, great spot. So hopefully they'll drop a date too. And if anybody knows of anything else, yep. let us know. We'll, There's we'll been loads of stuff announced that- I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but like I think Legendary have a date. Um, there's a few others. That's one show I haven't got to ever. Yeah. It's always sort of fell out of time when we've been busy. I think it's usually Titanic Dubs weekend. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, right. Well, uh, is that like the Sunday? Uh, we, yeah. always, we have Titanic on the Saturday and they have their show on the Sunday. That usually. would explain why, because we're absolutely burnt out then. Yeah. Lovely. Well, Nigel, have you got YouTube first? YouTube, Yeah. So I think I skirted around talking about Tommy Effie's channel. Yeah. So that's Tommy Farrell. He's in Connecticut, East Coast of America. He has expanded his business into a massive new workshop and his specialty is basically restoring GTR R32, R33s. Yeah, the, the places follow them. There's a series of videos. It's, I'm really getting into this channel now. Um, but the one video is a combination between him and Dustin Williams, who's California-based. He took on his Skyline and done a six-day engine bay rebuild sort of series of videos. So you can jump between Dustin Williams and Tommy Effia's channel. I think actually Jimmy Oak's done the tune on that car as well. Yes, he, he, stuff. Got, he got done the first start on stuff like that there. But no, I think basically Tommy's coming across now as the guy to go to in the US to leave your... Um, skyline in to get sorted because the engine bay quality once he has done his work on it is just unreal he I does vapor blast and uh, copper coated not copper coated but what do you call the anodizing oh yeah yeah on. I think Hurt from Hernigan he dropped his up to him I as well st- I think it's still there yeah, yeah. but uh, literally really, the other side of the country yeah so some really nice work there also Driftworks channel 
I think it was a few weeks ago, Jay, who is like the mechanic in Driftworks, he bought an E30. I think I talked about it before. Uh, he just dropped another video there of him um, getting it ready for track days and stuff like that there. So go check it out. It's quite good. Well, I have no YouTube because, well... Lee, You're welding? Well, yeah, I was busy welding and then trying to prep for going away. And then I, my algorithm has been absolutely annihilated by Lee. Oopsies. Because there's a... You know the way I always say I don't watch YouTube? Well, I've gone down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh-oh. There's a cooking channel by a guy called Joshua Wiseman. Have you ever seen him? I'll subscribe right He's now. He's absolutely fantastic. It's so good. But Lee has done nothing but watch him for four days. If you like that... Do you know uh, Axon Bronson? No. I do, yeah. Fuck, that's delicious. Oh, right. Check it out then. Okay. Fantastic. No. It's, I think it's a few seri- seasons of it, but it's basically him high as a kite. <laughs> eating everything. Going into restaurants, eating stuff, cooking stuff. Uh, fantastic. Good. Fuck, that's delicious is the series. Okay. I think it's on the Complex Network. Right. Don't know. I think it's the Complex Network. I'm sure you'll find it with Google. But just Google it in and you'll get it. It's okay. absolutely great. Joshua Wiseman, he does like a, a couple of different series, but he does one called Bud Better. So he takes like fast food. So he do like a Big Mac, but better, like gourmet type stuff. Uh-huh. It's but awesome. It, just the way his humor is with it is quite funny. Like, Yeah. Um, I know this is a car podcast, so we'll stop talking about this in a minute. But uh, yeah, the Bud Better series is brilliant. Um, one of my personal favorites from the last few days of watching was where he did a blindfold cooking challenge oh yeah he if could, you're gonna watch any of them watch that it is fucking hilarious he got a one thousand dollar wagyu steak <laughs> and perhaps a whole meal blindfolded it was, it's hilarious like it's very very funny to watch so uh yeah will we move on to the main topic then as we alluded to at the start of the podcast absolutely i just having a stretch here stretch away <laughs> like a big cat <laughs> So this topic is basically, when I was growing up, learning to drive, um, reading Max Power, stuff like that, this was reported on quite a lot, the famous racing club in Japan, so it mightn't be as important to younger listeners, um, so people in their 30s and 40s might know what I'm talking about, but even if you're into JDM, you're bound to know about it. The thing was, back then too, like you're saying about you reading that Max Power, that was your only source of info for those guys. It's oh, not like you can go online and watch YouTube videos then. And or, then Speed Hunters yeah. was doing reports on it as well. Like it's, um, you know, it's it's something that was like quite exclusive and they would only let certain access into them. So it's good to... So let's set the scene. Midnight in Toyota's Shuto Expressway, a 70 kilometer stretch of tarmac that traces the shoreline of Tokyo Bay. Lanes three and four abreast, illuminated in orange haze of sodium streetlights. The piece only broken by the occasional late-night street sweeper at work. You could hear them before you seen them, which, given the extent of their wild modification, was an impressive feat. The silence of twilight splintered with the sound of highly strung, highly tuned engines. A dozen modified cars thunder past at savage velocities. Their taillights ribbons of blazing crimson slashed temporarily across the still night air. They were the members of Mido Nato Karubu, also known as the Midnight Club. That gives me chills because I can hear that. I'm picturing myself. <laughs> you can hear the, the scream of them coming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as I said, this topic was always on my list to talk about. Growing up in the late nineties, a small town in Cumber, small town in Cumber, and county down Northern Ireland. Uh, not known to many, but for many years there was also an exclusive illegal racing club, which was run every Sunday, Sunday night. Indeed. After your compulsory banger Sunday night cruise, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly tuned cars would meet to race one another down the two mile carriageway between Cumber and Newtonards to find out who was the fastest around uh, there was one rule your car had to be capable of doing 150 mile an hour now that might seem uh, 
normal today, yeah. but in the late 90s, to do car to do 150 mile an hour was no mean feat. Many tra- people would travel from all around Northern Ireland and Ireland to come race in Cumber. Cars would include 400 uh, brake Sapphire Cosworth, Escort Cosworth. There was a few 300 plus brake horsepower Escort RS turbos. There was also a white Fiat turbo sitting near 300 brake horsepower. You Sounds like somebody you know. Yeah. And various AM3s in various states of tune. There was also a guy from Ballygown. He had a, a Vauxhall Astra GSI with uh, basically a fully built engine with 45 Doretto carbs. Nice. Which is absolutely awesome. So I feel that much of the inspiration for such a club was that had to be pinned to the stories of Midnight Club in the Max Park magazines mm-hmm. and the stories from that. So I'll just move on, talk a little bit about the the club as, as such. One of the most well-known and highly respected groups of illegal street racers in the world, the gang shot the worldwide infamy thanks to a combination of dangerous high-speed racing and aggressive driving styles, but also for its clandestine operations and strict code of ethics. Originally regarded as criminals, the Midnight Club became the darling of the burgeoning tuner scene and features in hundreds of editorial features as leading car magazines like the UK's Max Part aim to capture and glorify the gang's high-speed, high-adrenaline activities and semi-mythical existence. It was formed in 1987 until probably 1999. Membership of the Midnight Club was not easy to obtain. The absolute, absolute minimum requirement for a Hashiraya, that's also known as a street racer, Easier for me to say. I was going to say, it's probably easier for the Japanese people to say. Yeah. So to join was to own a car that was capable of, of going to at least 160 mile an hour. And competitive drivers were expected to be able to achieve racing speeds of 200 mile an hour or more on Toyota's public highways. At the time, a vehicle in Japan was electronically limited by law to a top speed of 112 mile an hour. 112 miles an hour. That was a gentleman's agreement between that, manufacturers at the time, wasn't it? That um, That's actually right. My dad had vans and stuff back then. Mm-hmm. You, you losing that, eh? I have nothing in mirrors. Touch that. It must be that. Yeah, we're good again. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that's right, because my dad had vans back in the early to mid-90s, and they all, the clock only went to, like, 112 kind of thing. So it must have been some sort of, like, government regulation or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, so the members were also expected to have a high degree of mechanical know-how in order to boost their car's performance. Tuner part manufacturers such as HKS, Grady, Apexi were essential amongst drivers to gain max speeds performance and probably probably why they're held in such high extreme esteem, esteem. marbles and mouth amongst JDM folklore. Would-be midnight club racers were first accepted as apprentices for a year, during which time they were required to attend all of the club's meetings without absence. So no sounds excuses, bit, no... That sounds very like the biker scene. You like we've like yeah. the backpots clubs. We have prospect for them, mm-hmm. and you basically do that for a year or so. But you have to be accepted into the club by everyone. Then you prospect, and then you work your way up into a full pots member. Like the club was bound by a strict moral code, which dictated that members must refrain from putting any other motorist in jeopardy, regardless of whether they were a fellow racer or an innocent bystander. And despite operating outside the law, the midnight club was highly regarded as a gang, which would put pedestrian safety far above their own. At 200 miles an hour? Yes. I think that was a thing, though, that you weren't, you know, oh. with traffic and stuff like that. I suppose they don't want to get jailed. The more, the worse they do, the worse going to be consequences yeah. that they're caught. Such was the sheer skill level required to pilot 
safely pilot a card VMAX speed on public streets, only one in 10 perspe- prospective drivers would qualify for food mem- membership. Any member would be made to immediately leave if they're deemed to pose a danger to other road users or to other members of the gang. So basically, no dickheads or arseholes. Aye. Which is pretty like, good. I like uh, the sound of that. I was going to say, I feel like some of these rules need to come back. Yeah, <laughs> you're out, mate. The exact number of members is unclear, but it's estimated that there are around 30 uh, street racers in the club at any one time, with racers meeting in designated spots around the Bayshore Wangang. Wangang? Wangang. Route. Between Toyota, between Toyota, between Tokyo and Yokohama at midnight. While other gangs of street racers competed in drifting or point-to-point racing events, the Midnight Club specialised in one thing only, top speed. Races usually started at speeds of at least 75 miles an hour, with the event officially started by one of the cars sounding its horn. Afterwards, the drivers would meet up and discuss the details of the race. Winners were usually judged to be the first car that was fast enough to complete, completely lose the rest, while one anonymous club member was reportedly once overheard saying, Drifting and autocross is for the weak. We only do maximum velocity. The incredible high standard of the driver's abilities made it difficult for authorities to catch them, and as police cars of the time were limited to the same speed as any other car in Japan, police simply found it impossible to keep up with the midnight club racers. What, what are you going to do there? Like, yeah, shoot them? Yeah. Uh, member, members would identify one another by wearing a small rectangular midnight car special sticker on their bumpers often pairs with paired with large sunstripes bearing the team name and side skirt stickers that read midnight racing team not exactly subtle is it secret but not so secret club rules also forbade members from revealing any personal information about themselves and in the event that some members were friends outside of the club they were required to keep silent about it Sounds like Fight Club. Yep. The professions of only two drivers were revealed in a 1985 Max Power article which stated that one was a property developer while the other ran a car dealership. There were also heavy rumours of a director of the board of Honda being involved, but this remains a mystery even to today. That's the same with like HKS and all those other... They reckon that a lot of those like CEOs and high-ups in those companies came through Midnight Club and that's how they were doing development of their products as well. Despite the fact that the gang is operating for shrouding secret secrecy and that their identifies of identities have never been unveiled, it's widely rumored that the founders of many today's top Japanese tuning companies were original members of the Midnight Club. Just ruined that on you. One being top secret tuning, run no less than by Drift God Kazuk Smokey Nagata, basically. Yep. So that leads me on to an article in Max Power and a thing that just blew my mind was him bringing his top secret super over to England for the top speed run in the, the motorway. One. Did you see it, Lee? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, so they shipped it over to do... It. So top secret cars, they're all gold. Yeah. They're all painted gold. They wanted to break 200 by an hour on the... Was it the A1 or the M1? Uh, A1M. Ah. Uh, yeah. So he brought it over then in 1988. So at 4am on November 4th, 1988, Smokey Nagata pulled up the hard shoulder in lane two of the A1M and came to stop. With rain falling and the mercury hovering just above freezing, he pinned the throttle, dropped the clutch and performed a monstrous burnout in the middle of the road. Satisfied the Midlands were suitably sluiced in tire smoke, he gunned his heavily modified 1,000 brake horsepower Japanese registered gold-painted Toyota Supra with one aim in mind, hitting 200 mile an hour. Due to some complications, the engine run lean on one run. The car wanted to jettison his bonnet at another 190 mile an hour one. He had a few attempts, but ultimately fell short of the double ton, clocking 194 mile an hour. More than enough to unofficially claim the dubious, dangerous record of the fastest speed ever reached by a car on the UK public highway. 
It wasn't long before the winter darkness filled with blue lights. The police made chase and arrested them, resulting in Smokey having a night at Her Majesty's pleasure. Just on a side note, a remarkably lenient sentence, which wouldn't happen today. I think he got a major fine, basically. Have you ever seen the video of him being caught? No. I th- yeah, I, th- I think I remember the car, just him going under the bridge and then the car, sort of, there, the police car. There's coming. a video from inside the car, so they tried to confiscate all the videos and stuff from him, and there was this one that they didn't get was inside the car, and you can hear the cop coming up to him, and he's, like, questioning him, and he's just trying to look, and he basically says, like, don't speak English kind yeah. of thing, and you hear the English cop going, yeah, I'm sure you don't speak English, and that's like, <laughs> <laughs> <He> doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, so he hurriedly fled back to Japan, where his tuning company was going to go under. In reality, quite the opposite happened. His escapades hit the headlines, and the grainy footage of him illegally squirreling down the motorway from the cameras gaffer taped to the car went VHS viral, instantly catapulting him to legendary status within the tuning community. It was the ultimate ballsy PR tool for his company, top secret proving that his cars were the real deal. The uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, match, the max power feature at the time... Um, it was just class. Well, that's basically proven that what you're selling is what you're doing. You know, it's yeah. that illegal underground street racing. Putting theory into practice. Yep. There were heavy penalties for any outside drivers who attempted to cash in on the gang's rising infamy by displaying lookalike stickers with unauthorized racers facing harassment and the infliction of vandalism on their cars. In the Midnight Club's heyday, there were many reports of non-member vehicles being destroyed because they were found wearing club stickers. That sounds again like the biker scene too. Yeah. yeah. But how did they know? If the members didn't know who each other were. Maybe know the cars How though. did you know who, who was real and who wasn't? They didn't know the cars though. Uh, I suppose. Meetings were organised on a clandestine basis too. In an era before the widespread use of the internet, the gang would organise races via the classified section of local Toyota. I keep saying Toyota instead of Tokyo. Newspapers. In order to avoid unwanted attention, the time and location would be hidden among the innocuous-looking advertisement. For example, the sale of discount handbags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but CIA, that isn't it? I was going to say, it's all very bagger. clandestine. Yeah. Uh, members would be brief, briefed on what to look out for at previous meetings and would meet at a scheduled spot to organise races. The Daikuku parking area was the most often used place for the designated meetings usually 11am to 3am on Thursdays, and even today it remains a spot akin to the mecca of Japanese modified car scene. Given that each other's members' cars had to be capable of maintaining speeds over 200 miles an hour along the Wangang Expressway for extended periods of time, each was usually highly modified to make anywhere between four and 600 brake. Of the most iconic JDM tuners' cars of all time, like uh, the Mazda RX-7, Toyota Supra and the R32 Skyline GTR. The most famous of the Midnight Club cars, however, was the highly modified Porsche 911 Turbo, nicknamed the Blackbird. The Blackbird was the fastest car in the group and was owned by Midnight Club's announced leader, who was rumoured to be originally trained as a doctor. Its owner was was rumoured to have spent close to $2 million rebuilding and modified the 911 over the years, which bore an aggressive auto garage TBK body kit. With an output of 700 brake horsepower, courtesy of a stroke 3.6 turbocharged flat six cylinder, the Blackbird. The, now the name Blackbird, if you're a big fanboy of Porsches, there was the Yellowbird rough that's car. That's right, yeah. So I was wondering what's the tie in with that. And I think it was basically trying to, you know, hint at it. Hint at it. Uh, it was capable of maintaining a top speed of 217 miles an hour for well over 50 minutes at a time. For contacts, the new Bugatti Chiron hypercar can maintain a top speed of 260 miles an hour for only nine minutes before its tanks empties and its tires 
disintegrate. You can't speak about the Blackbird name without bringing Nishida Special's 930s, the most infamous, infamous rival in the club. The air-breathing research Hazuki Z-Car, which was a naturally aspirated Datsun 280ZX, which featured a, featured a 630 brake horsepower L30 ETT engine. This would be the basis for the Devil Z in the Japanese anime, uh, Wangang Midnight, which depicts the rivalry between the Blackbird and the Devil Z racing along the Wangang uh, highway and see one loop through the night at speeds of upwards 300 kilometers miles an hour so that that shows the level the, the mid cartoons yeah about this here just in so much as like the uh initial d yeah you know i it's twin th- cams is that much sort of myth behind it yeah get into popular culture other midnight club vehicles and members have been spotted around the internet and taking their cars out every so often, such as the Lamborghini Contash, which was unfortunately crashed at track day in Japan, where its midnight club stickers were immediately removed upon its arrival back to the pits. Speed Hunters featured the car in an article, but removed the article a few days later at the quest of owner and the remnants of the club as to the further disbandment of the club. Unfortunately, the midnight club met on a timely end when the local Bosuzuki biker gang the old dodgy bikers yep. Connor you know exactly it's an amazing machine <laughs> <laughs> motorcycle gang culture this, um, this, so that gang is basically a motorcycle gang culture in Japan based on rebelling decided to try and play with some midnight club members on the highway as they were racing a few members of the midnight club decided to give chase and a between, race between the two began because of the high speed nature of the club the race quickly got out of hand with the Bazooko members leading the group into a high traffic area where an unfortunate accident occurred which killed two members of the Bazooko club and hospitalised eight motors, six of which were in civilians and two presumed to be the midnight club members. Due to the club ruling on not endangering motors and this being an incredibly high profile incident, the club was immediately uh, disbanded. Cars involved in the gang were hidden away or destroyed and the members are still reclusive today and do not speak of the club or any activities they took a part in. So to conclude, considering that many of the Midnight Club's cars were essentially homebrew vehicles, the outrageous performance and reliability of these machines, which still better all but the best of today's supercars and hypercars 20 years later, was incredible. It was this prodigious mechanical skill and the over-engineered appearance of the racers' cars, which originally enamoured car fans the world over and introduced a generation to the JDM scene, with the gang's activities influencing everything from manga books to anime series, and the Midnight Club video games, which bear the team names and homage. Yeah, you're just going to say there about the video games with it. They weren't actually even officially linked with Midnight Club, you know, because it wasn't anything official about the club itself. Yeah. But it just shows how much it worked its way into popular culture, because those games come out, I think they were like early 2000s, which yeah. were even after the club was disbanded as well. And it was still that uh, mythology. And even... Max Power, when I was reading it, you were reading about Midnight Club and what was happening with it, you know, and that was almost 10 years down the line from it kind of thing, so it obviously had a big stand on the community. But it's interesting there too, you're saying like that Porsche 911 Turbo was the fastest of them all, out of all the Japanese stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. JDM Legends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then he did throw £2 million on oh, allegedly. Did, yeah. <laughs> Aye. yeah, that would help. Um, so I've been meaning to do that topic for a while, so I hope you all enjoyed it. Excellent, thank you. Something a bit different. So before we move on, we'll just take a second to talk about our sponsor, 
Yes, Studio 10 Bespoke Car Care. Located in Ballymena, Northern Ireland, not only are they a Mavinci approved detailer specialising in vehicle detailing, paint correction and ceramic coatings, but they also have a series of online training courses called Foundation Pro. Foundation Pro is designed to help you improve your skill set at any level, whether starting out on your own vehicle or starting a business venture, and it also comes with many benefits such as discounts with various detailing companies. To get details on the packages offered, Foundation Pro or other services provided, check them out at studio10car.care or simply search Studio 10 Detailing on Google, Facebook or Instagram. Okay, so we'll move on to our questions then, which we have quite a number of. Um, It's good to see. So we'll start off with Wardy 0511. What are the must-haves of a show car? Details. I think it has to be clean when it comes to the show. Well, that's the very basic. cars turn up like they've been playing fields before it shows. Mm, yeah. True. yeah, that's that's very true. The must-haves. Uh, good paint, good wheels. There's not so much as in like specific mods to have. Just, it depends what way, style you, you want to go. Whatever you want. Do, do them well. It's your car. Execution. Yeah. That, yeah. Good execution of whatever style you want to go for. Yeah, no matter what you do, you do it right. Don't have bumpers hanging off. Don't have shit paint. You know, present the car the way you would want to see something presented. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Because you can do... It doesn't even have to be necessarily modified because you can talk about concourse. Yeah. You know... OEM plus. You, you know, it doesn't have to... Ha- you know, you could give the typical checklist, which is like wheels, air, interior, but whatever, you know. That's what everybody kind of thinks. But it's not that. No. It's as long as you present the car well. Have it, like, the details, as I say. And that's not details as in mods. That's just have the thing right. Don't have your bumpers hanging off. I'd like to add that when the prizes are being out dubshed, there is a variety of prize given for various reasons, for various styles of cars. Yeah. There could be prize given to cars that are full restoration, OEM plus, full... Wild, wild heavily modified whatever yeah that also has to be given in consideration when prizes are being decided like yeah there's no checklist of how to win a show yeah. essentially uh tjb ohana one mod that you hope doesn't come back or continue into 2022 underglow tints reek etc hmm. 40 plates i knew you were gonna say it's that all but 40 plates I for think me you've nailed it there or realistically insane camber see this whole thing of camber wank yeah, it's just, and it's it's the JDM boys, I have to say. The Volkswagen's did it for a while, and the JDM oh, ones have yeah. taken it to the extreme, and it's just, it just looks stupid. In your opinion? Very much in my opinion, I'm correct. What? <laughs> it all depends what you like, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, if you're going down the road, literally driving on your sidewalls, yeah. it doesn't look right to me. It looks like your car's broke. No, I can't agree. True. But anything other than that, as we have, as we've just said, if it's done well and you like it, then okay, the fine. Thing I found though, that most of those cars that have the absolutely ridiculous camber aren't done well. No. Yeah. So, but I'm talking about like the other, some of the other st- stuff that they mentioned there, like oh, underglow and underglow. stuff. Like, I if actually, you want it, fine. Yeah. I quite like neons. Yeah. So do I. Um, I mean, rake is. Rake. Yeah. Rake's been around for two decades now. It's not going away anytime no. soon. Hasn't gone away. Popcorn enough. limiters. Popcorn limiters. <laughs> Yeah, oh can geez. we get rid of those? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty rough. Chris McSee 212 Chris says, is it true that Andy Maxwell would have finished that engine swap alone in two hours? He's referring to your video you put up. No, it was a picture. Oh, it was a picture you put up? I was just, it? Uh, well, that was actually last winter we've done that. So what was may it? May or may again? not have been during lockdown, but we'll not say more than that. No, no. So uh, what were you doing? Uh, Bottomark 6 GTI with a terminal engine. 
got a new engine and one Saturday myself, Andrew Maxwell and Robin from Studio 10, we took the old engine out and put the good engine in. Excellent. And would Andy have done it himself quicker? Well, Entirely me, possible. Without me advising him, no. No, <laughs> he, he needed to do there as a guide in hand, is that what it was? <laughs> Uh, I had to make the tea lee, okay? Okay, so yeah. Know, it's it's essential. There's a great ratio of milk and sugar in it, you know. <laughs> um, McGrath Paul says, how much, of, how much of your money did Mickey Mouse take out of your pockets with his big hands? Fuck loads, the a wee lot. bastard. Have you been to Disneyland before? Yeah. It's the worst process I've ever seen for buying tickets. It, it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth and I have never been more stressed. I said to Leah, I was like, this is this is the most stressful fun I've ever had and I haven't even got there yet. <laughs> um, yeah, we're meeting Paul over there in one of the Disney parks. So. Well, tell me this. What is the daily rate in Disney? Because I remember we booked it two years ago and I just couldn't believe how much it jumped up in five years. Well, when we tried to book it, Leah sent us a link to book. It was around £100 a day. It now automatically... Um, directs you to the UK website where you can only book for a week or two weeks. It won't let you book single days. Nice. Yep. So we got Leah to book them over in Florida for us and then we just paid her but it was like maybe £120 worked out about a day or so. That kind of thing. And then once they get you into the parks that's where they really get you. Oh yeah. yeah. But I can't wait. I'm going to eat so much Everything. food. I want, uh, I want churros and dole whips and popcorn and pretzels whatever's going all the things all the things and then I'm going to go on a roller coaster and probably vomit and then eat some more food <laughs> have to make room somewhere that's the plan <laughs> he's going to Universal no yeah, yeah. Two Harry, Harry Potter World is fantastic that's what we're looking forward to and Star Wars as well uh, that's right they have a few new Star Wars and Jurassic right, Park yeah yep. I love the Jurassic Park uh, Park uh, roller water, coaster no, the water, water one it's brilliant I'm looking forward to it now. Um, then have you got fast passes? Yes. They are yeah, we did it right. Yep. Oh, but there's a whole thing. Again, you've got like the genie thing and, and the then genie hopper. plus and that. It's so, it's so complicated. Yeah, it's an absolute disaster. Um, Dennis LeCouf Machining, on a scale from zero to freedom, how truck are you? Have you guys seen the, the Canada freedom trucks? I don't want to go down a conspiracy hole, but jeepers <laughs> talk about media covering over something. Yeah, because you see it nowhere at all. And On TikTok, it's just like miles of truckers. Well, I'm not a pedophile, so I haven't seen it on TikTok, but <laughs> I have seen Thanks, it on Connor. Instagram. Yeah, okay, okay, um, I'll take that. So Dennis had shared a thing about it, and then I started calling him a right winger just to wind him up. So he has said left wing or right wing, and I've done testing this, and I am firmly in the middle. Slightly right. Well, probably <laughs> slightly right, but that probably comes from agreeing with punishment shootings, but sure, we'll not yeah. get into that. Mm. Um, I think so, we've talked about before, I would have always considered myself, you know, quite liberal, you know, pretty, but I think as we've got older, your views the whole, don't change, but or My views does. haven't changed, but society has like shifted yeah. to where I'm nearly probably more on the right now. Because liberalism has yet its own ass. Yeah, yeah. it just grows. Um, Dennis LeCouf Machining. Love you, Connor. Very nice. Thanks, right wing mid. Um, not going to say love you too. That seems rude. It's a bit gay. Um, <laughs> Chris Moran 90. Red diesel ban in April. How do you think it's going to impact Maherfeld? There'll not be a car turn away, liver. <sighs> It'll be just green diesel in the <laughs> 
That's how that, you solve that problem? That red diesel band's insane. Oh, uh, I was uh, listening to the discussion on the radio there last week and there's construction guys and they're pulling their hair out. Yeah, so for anyone that doesn't know about it, it's going to be agricultural use only. Well, with a bar a few exemptions. Here's one for you. I've seen The Farm and Life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do read The Farm and Life. I'm not surprised. Tractor charity runs. Yeah, they're going to have to run white diesel now. That's insane. Yeah. That's stupid. Makes no sense, but sure. But good luck to the customs guy dipping at a tractor, a tractor run. run. Yeah, the be it alive. And not getting beat up. Yep. Uh, Ronan underscore hates 21. Connor, make sure you use some America petrol station reviews, Wawa, etc. They have food, so I will review those. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Also, what's the one? The only one we've been to is Sheets, is it? Which was good food when you're drunk at about two in the morning. Yeah, and like the sheets, big, the sheets like, give me the sheets. Soft drink <laughs> vending machine just had like thirty drops, hundred nozzles on it. It was like, yeah, yeah. If I if I move to America, I will die an early death. Like I'll just eat and drink myself to oblivion. Uh, he also says. Rental car burnouts are a must. Video proof needed. Depending Absolutely. on what we get, we should be able to do that. Uh, who else have we got? Open.r.imports. Uh, 2,000 quid. What do you buy for a road trip across Europe? So I started to think about this. I was, so like, I. I was like, 2,000 pounds seems like a lot of money to buy something cheap. But nowadays it's really not. R- road trip in Europe. So you're talking big miles. So you need comfort. Yeah. With a bit of fun. Here's what I'm thinking. Late 90s. S6. Would you get one for two grand? I don't know if you would, but I'd try my best. I already know what I would pick. What would you go for? PT Cruiser. Why? Convertible. Why? Because you class. Get the, get the sun in your face? Yeah. Well, I sort of thought convertible as well and kind of thought MX-5. You can get a... Hmm. Well, <laughs> there was a few options. You can get a Category C Mark II MX-5 1.6 for less than two grand. And then there's also the option of a Mark II with a 1.8 caged with a diff and coilovers. So you're going to drive out for 2,000 miles? That would be awesome. No, no, it's for 2,000 pounds. No, but a European trip? Yeah, it'd be great. Great Halloween. Look at the roads you have in America, or mm. in America, in Europe. The other one I looked at was, I tried to think of like hot hatches, Civic Type R's already the category there. I looked at Boxsters, you can't get them either. I think I'd get an old, all I thought of when I heard of that there was just a nice comfort. comfort. Uh, the other one then I looked at was what you had, Lee, was an 06 Suzuki Swift Sport. So they're into like the 15, 1600 pound bracket. And they're just like a wee hot hatch Mini Cooper S type thing that just you keep the foot down and keep steering. The handle so well. Yeah, they are good. What else have we got? Un- uh, Unglock Inc. is Chris from Texas. He says, fucking Texas meow. So a strange one from Chris. But Thanks, Chris. He's actually working at, he works for Gradient Racing. So they're racing this weekend. In fact, as we speak, he's probably been up for about 30 hours out of 40. Lovely. At the 24-hour Rolex at Daytona. They're racing this weekend. Sweet. So he's at that, which probably explains that strange message. Um, I think they're running an NSX, one of the new shape NSXs, oh, I want to say. Nice. So I think it had a bit of an off in the practice stages and they had to like cut the back end off and re-reel or we re-weld the chassis legs back onto it which was his work <laughs> so yeah shout out to chris for doing that soul of the road too long to type here see your dms so if i remember right shane is coming to ireland yes he says some travel tips for tourists visiting ireland connor's already given me quite a few many thanks my wife and i are planning a trip in june it could be interesting to talk about unexpected things visitors might encounter 
so so far I've learned roads can be unusually uh, roads can be unusual to visitors, very narrow, and people drive swiftly both ways. With well, correct, yeah, uh, it's a bit of a lawless wasteland in the south. I'm excited for this. My wife views it differently. Uh, any really cool places that go that are off the tourist radar, I like to find cool places out of the way. Uh, local customs that may catch visitors by surprise, etc. Ireland's small, so there's no real hidden... Well, that's what I said to him was, where are you going? And it was all based in the south. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'll take a drive up. And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, two, three hours. And he was like, yeah, it's only that's two or three hours. To them. Yeah. Well, their <laughs> state's probably like 10 times the size of it. If you're coming up north, drive around the Moor Mountains, essential. Yeah. Um, and then the coast road from Belfast all the way up to, you know, Port Stewart. Yeah, that's when you're up there, like, I know it's a bit touristy, but the Giants Causeway is something cool to see. Yeah. Uh, Cargaraid. Road Bridge. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the best ones up there. Port. Is it Port Ballantrae? Or port port Ballantrae Harbour with the shot Game of Thrones. Yep. That's right, yeah. Um, there's loads of wee hidden waterfalls. Glen, Glen Coof waterfall up in around that direction near Larne, isn't there? Oh, um, yeah. I know the one you mean. I can't think of the name of it off the time. Off they're my, they're sort of wee hidden, not busy... Sort of a spot. Yeah, we can catch we'll up. Make, we'll there's loads list. of places in the south. Um, unfortunately, way. my journeys yep. in the south mostly consist of motorways and main roads because I'm trying to get the quickest point between point A and point B. But um, West Cork, Kerry, yeah, all down that way. Mental. Wild Atlantic Way, Three Castle Head is one that all the boys I work with. I've never been myself, but it's apparently amazing and not like super touristy. But as you said, Nigel, like Ireland's so small that anywhere that's kind of half nice is automatically kind of touristy. There isn't really much wilderness off the beaten track where you can just go and get lost because there's not really the space. Westport, Ring of Kerry, Donegal, anywhere in Donegal is just stunning. I Donegal, think- the cliffs and stuff, because everybody talks about the cliffs more and there's cliffs in Donegal that are twice the size yeah. and spectacular. Like He's going to the Donegal rally. He told me that it's oh time for Donegal like Rally. King of yeah. the Cone. Well, he'll see rallying if he wants to see it, but he'll also see a lot of debauchery. <laughs> There's loads of wee villages. The wee villages and stuff in like West Cork and Kerry are just gorgeous. And Dingle. like Dingle's nice. Um, it's up to Barry. Twinned with it. <laughs> <laughs> but like Castletown Bear and Skibbereen and, and they're all really nice wee villages. And the thing I find strange about them, which is strange but not strange, there's like no chain stores. Ah, it's you know, all you like walk local down stuff. the middle of the town and there's no boots and no new look and you know there's it's, like it's all like local shops. It's class. Um, one of my personal favorites, Glendalock. Nope. Down like Wicklow, I want to say like the Wicklow Mountains down just just down below Dublin. Um, beautiful waterfall mountains. There's like an old monastery and round tower and stuff there. Which is really nice. Um, up north, obviously, you've the places we mentioned. There's loads of castles up here as well. Yeah, which are not super touristy, like Dundrum. Ah, uh, you're you not going to get a, a lot of people. You know, a random Tuesday afternoon, there's probably nobody there. Um, what else? So basically, he just has to message you, and you can hook him up. I'm thinking about weird stuff on the roads that might catch you out. The traffic lights. Now, I don't know if this is the same in America or not, but it's weird to me coming from the north. The traffic lights don't go amber. Aye, on yeah. the way to on the way to green. Yeah, they just go straight to green. They go red straight to green. They go amber on the way back up, mm-hmm. but they don't go amber on the way down, which is weird to me. Um, and the other thing 
Have you ever heard or ever seen road bowling? Yes, you've told me about it. That's a thing. Do you know it, Nigel? Yeah. Which could catch you out if you're herring down a back road <laughs> and <Yeah>. suddenly... <laughs> have a Google at that. I've only seen it twice. Um, Both times. No, once in like Waterford's Wexford way and once over in West Cork. I've come across it usually on a Sunday, I think. And uh, that's basically where a crowd of locals go out into the road. And I don't really know what the object is, if they have like skittles or anything, or you just no, have to the, see how far you can get it. It's just, I think it's, you get so many throws, it's the person that gets the furthest down the road, I think. Something like oh, right, but yeah. it's basically a big metal ball, like a shot put, that they're basically just throwing down the road. As so. Do keep an eye out for that. Some bored farmer invented that about 200 years ago, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, Connor Old, what motoring term or phrase gives you Forrest Whitaker eye when you hear it, i.e. motorsport look? Probably it's popcorn limiter. Popcorn limiter. I don't know if it's a motoring term, but it's uh, on a classified. When I see testing the water, I want to test a baseball <laughs> bat out on you. <laughs> yeah. Put up for sale or don't. Yeah. One of mine is, um, it's usually an adverts, is fully kitted. Oh, wow. Uh, you see, fully kitted, I think, come from, like, the filters where it was, like, you're putting, like, say, I don't know, some sort of factory lip kit around the car or something. And then they got lazy and wouldn't actually specify what it was, so they just wrote, oh, fully kitted. And now you see cars that don't have any kind of body kit at all, and it's advertised as fully kitted. And you're like, no, it's not. Please stop. This goes back into my rant earlier. Don't don't need to sell. You just need don't need to sell. Well, why the fuck's it advertised? If it doesn't sell, I'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> no no term. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do with Seth Farmers? Another term can trigger a few people is you know, various stages of tuning. Stage one, stage oh, two, stage three. Yeah. That can trigger a few people too. Like. Yeah, I hate that. Um yeah, because it doesn't like cross over to different, you know, models Stage, or mixes. Like, Generally in a golf, you can sort of interpret what stages are. Yeah. Stage one to stage two plus. People just talk shit. Stage like, two plus plus. Why, why did they not just go to three and four? <laughs> um, Simon Dot White, favourite pre-2000 super or hypercar? Easy one for me. F40. I There was two cars there. It was an F40 and a 959, but I had a massive uh, poster in my bedroom when I was younger of a 959. Um, got it at the Belfast Motor Show. There's a thing. That's a throwback there. Be. Um, I just love the 959. Mine would be F40 or an XJ220. Well, actually, I had a, a few ah, there. Do you remember they were? Yeah. An XJ220, an F50, or a Merc CLK GTR. Ooh. Are they the Goldwing ones? Yes. You know, yeah. The one that we seen in Paris that time yeah. in the dealership? Yeah. I like those. Thomas C1. Worst Volkswagen made and why? P.S. When are we getting Gunther Steiner on? If anyone has a link for that that we can get <laughs> that, that would man be awesome. on, please. <laughs> um, where's Volkswagen made? I know. You're probably looking for me. Golf Plus? It's that was exactly my yeah. answer. Mark the, 5 Golf Plus. Why? Yeah, that was a big question mark in that one. The most room temperature, tap water, unbuttered, tin white bread Volkswagen that ever existed. Yeah. What has gone on with that? Like, It wasn't really setting fire to anyone's soul was it um mav 90 g60 it's danny from people's car podcast how many euro car parts can you fit in your luggage 
to bring to your tripper asking for a friend well with the suitcase <laughs> that i'm going with they probably could connor's mum lent him a suitcase right sorry for this light sidebar and she said oh because i only have little small suitcases for going away with work to fit in the hand luggage kind of thing for easy jet and stuff so connor's mum was like oh i'll lend you a suitcase grand and she was apologizing for oh it's you know it's not very big and all no joke nigel you could fit in this thing like it's it's massive like it's ridiculous yeah <laughs> what's your limit in luggage uh, 23 kilos that's pretty good and i'm not even bringing many clothes i'm just going to buy stuff out there so oh absolutely uh if i see you in a pair of trousers i'll be ashamed of you connor by the way i think if i put a pair of trousers on in florida I'd die I'd just sweat <laughs> to death uh jack underscore slow up what's the best bit of furniture you've seen made out of car parts um there's loads i have a really nice lamp that lauren my sister got me which is like a f- an air filter like it looks like a big lorry filter it's a huge big round thing with like a piece of pipe and then a brake disc as the, the base it's really nice other ones i've seen online which i would like to do you got your typical kind of wheel tables which we have engine block tables which we have or we don't have but you've seen them bar stools yeah. With the, like, the shaft is like a shock and spring. Yeah. Really want to build some of those. They're cool. Um, Get some nice clocks done with, like, brake discs and things like that. Yeah, they're cool. A wine rack. Of course. Where, where like, the piston <laughs> holes is the... Ah, where you the put, bottle holders. That's cool. I like that. I've seen, like, lamps made out of big exhausts. So, you know, like, the manifolds where they come down have the yes. wee lights in them. Funny. On, they're pretty cool. On that topic, I, from a birthday last year... My wife got me a lamp from a desk and it's made out of, the base of it is a drilled and grooved disc and then the main upright of it is a front shock off a GSXR. Oh, cool. That's cool. And then the downlight's the front lamp of like That's an old cool. cafe racer sort of thing. Yeah. I never show you that, no? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, that's cool. It's not just us with car parts in, in the house. Mm. I like There's it. a guy I follow on Instagram. It's not really furniture, but more like ornaments called Tigger Welding. Have you ever seen yes, him? Yes, I follow him for years. And he makes all the wee um, like figurines out of pistons. Cool. They're class. Um, Jack C. Hanrahan, Death Row Meal. Steak from the wee restaurant myself and my wife went to in Bella Medina. Best steak ever had my life. Fillet steak pepper sauce crisscross fries because you know a child yeah medium rare um either from that argentinian steakhouse in leiden leiden wherever you were at where you know you went to the pizza place they did um or what do you call the place up at the art moe's yeah the, the lad the difference between those two is insane one's an argentinian steakhouse in holland and the other is a chain a restaurant chain in manbridge but honestly, their steaks are incredible. Downshire, also extremely good. Um, yeah, God, I love steak. I don't know what I would go that, for. That's the funniest thing about steak. It can be done so badly, and it's a meh sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But when it's done well, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Even sometimes, you, if you get a really good <laughs> piece of meat, because I like medium rare, and most places you order medium rare, it's not what you get. Yeah. Um, but even if they're overdone, if it's a nice enough piece of meat, it nearly doesn't matter. Like it's, it would still be better if it was cooked properly, mm-hmm. but it's still really tasty. Yeah. Set any form of fried chicken in front of me with some sort of barbecue sauce and you can happily execute me after that. Like I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> I love my chicken. I wonder what we're in death row for. 
Midnight Club. Nah. <laughs> Motor and offences. Yeah, the big like knocking down a cyclist as or we turn in race crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more likely. Um, Johnny Kerr eighty three. Johnny says, "What's your favourite show in the south of Ireland, and why is it MLVW?" Oh, well said, Johnny. It's a political statement there. <laughs> I haven't been to MLVW in years. Yeah, last time we were away. there was at the barracks. Yeah, he's not the new. Nope, we haven't been to the new one. Oh man, you we were uh, Alpine Vag for, which doesn't clash this year, which is good. Yeah, yeah, I'm dying to go. Um, no, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. Cahill underscore Caffrey, what's you guys' opinion on Jap wheels on a German car? I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely work. It's like one of the first ones I really like was uh, Paddy McGrath, the speed hunter photographer. He put rays. Yes, that's like right. Like our T37s he put on the Skull Forest State. That's right. Um, and look at Aaron Kelly with a Mark, Mark right. Forest State. Yep. All the three-spoke stuff. No, I would never be tied to certain wheels and certain no. cars. Like, they, they do cross over well. I know yeah, you guys don't really like it, but I really like Holly's Audi with the big like, chrome wheels on it. I think it's uh, class. Yes. That's, uh, for me, the, they don't suit that car, but as you say, it, for you it does. Like, yeah. Um, what else have we got? We've got Borley. Borley says, question for the podcast, how do you come up with the subject topics? Went back through the podcast and re-listened to them and it's made the workday fly in. Thank you. Cheers, Borley. Um, I told him this would be a disappointing answer, but for me, they just kind of pop into my head. Yeah. Sometimes you see something and you think, I'd like to look into that. It's sort of, I have notes on my phone there. I'm the same. And then... You just sort of go, right, I'll have to do that. And then you just start to research it. If I ever lose this phone, my contribution to the podcast is completely <laughs> gone because it's all in the phone. It's not cloud-based then, Connor? No, no, okay. no, no, definitely not. You want to go we and did, span that. I think way back at the start, we had asked for suggestions and we used a few of those yeah. that yeah. the listeners had suggested, which were good as well. Well, here, we'll maybe do that again soon. Yeah, actually, we didn't actually finish that list either, so we should yeah. probably look back at that. I have it on my phone as well. Um Another one in the conspiracy theory. One I was trying to think of a topic to do, and a co-worker of mine who is a connoisseur of the tinfoil hat, he actually suggested he was like, "Well, you should do like a, uh, a conspiracy theory podcast, like a separate podcast." And I went, go. "There's my topic: automotive conspiracy theories." <laughs> Spot on. Cheers, Scott. Um, here we've got there. Gaz eighty six. He says, "Rent one, buy one, scrap one. Current shape Civic Type R." Uh, Mark 7 Golf R or the new shape Focus RS you see if it was the old Focus RS I already know the answer as in like a Mark 1 yes because yeah. they are awesome well, I think it's sort of obvious what we're going to do here like. well the Civic Type R is going on the scrap because I can't look at that that thing is it's a lot of angles going on it's probably a great driving car but it is absolutely horrendous I think the latest what, what shape is that the latest one is yeah. it it's getting really good reviews on the likes of uh, Carfection and Evo Magnol. They're saying it's an absolutely fantastic driving machine. Just don't drive past any sort of reflective windows, windows. that you can see yourself in. Um, that would be mine. The Focus rent that because it's probably going to blow up because they have a penchant for doing that. Yeah. And the Golf R you buy because it's probably the most reliable. Which is financially safe decision, Connor. I agree. Yes. Yeah, I kind of reluctantly agree to. Although go. realistically, I wouldn't buy any of them. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not your thing? No. <laughs> you the same, Nigel? Yeah. There you go. 
I think we'll call it quits on this one because we're getting close to the time. Do you just want to yeah. finish it there? Just one last one. We have murray.d91. He says, my question is, did slash do you have any pet peeves slash dislikes about newer cars that you've come to like now? When I when I got my Leon, I wasn't mad keen on the electric handbrake, but I'd miss it now. The DSG and the Sepoib is on point. Excellent. Um, I hated the adaptive cruise control at the start. I have got used to it. Um, it's all right. That's what I was going to say. Was I would have shunned adaptive cruise control and anything like that, and now I love it. Like I drive through the town <laughs> at thirty mile an hour with it on. It just, it's not a car to drive fast or to enjoy. So you yeah. just stick it on and just forget. I, I know it's not that question, but see the lane uh, guidance. What do you call it? I like the lane assist. Lane assist that flashes when there's somebody That's in your blind spot. Ridiculous. Um, but I still don't like it. Yeah, to me, used correctly, they're good. But I mean, when people use that as a substitute for actually looking over their shoulder that's a bad thing my first experience of that was uh paul rebels rs6 i had it for a week and when you're driving hard around a b road it's pulling you oh really and i i, I couldn't turn it off i'm sure you can hopefully but it was just how long am i here i'm i've I'm got the driver here yeah i'm mm. i'm the human i'm in charge yeah i borrowed this car <laughs> I, was gonna I know say, the I question is pet peeves that you do like now but that's one pet peeve, and I think it's just crap. I'm sure it has its use in the practical world, but for a driver, driver, no. Would you have been against DSG before you got your Edition 30? Yeah. Aye. And you like it now? Yeah. Uh, it's no manual. It's no manual, but yeah, I get it. I think it works very well. The likes of Lee's application with the Superb, where it's just a big mile muncher. Yeah. And oh, it, absolutely. It, it works really, really well. You know, the, the changes and stuff are flawless in them. And somebody told me before that BMW's version of it, which I can't remember the name of, is supposed to be even better again. But I have no experience of it. And I don't really see how you can improve on Is that DCT, is it? No. Maybe DCT, actually, yeah. I know that the E46 right. of DCT. Aye, it, it's probably that. There's Connor Old a bit screaming at us there. Yeah, numb days. Call your That's car enthusiast. <laughs> So, uh, yes, we have a few questions left, but I think we'll hold them to the next one because I need to get this edited today for escaping. So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, looking forward to The next episode will be the Swapcast then? Yes, it? it will. Sweet. And it might not be out on the Wednesday that it's supposed to be out, but it'll be out the Thursday or Friday that okay, week anyway, cool. just so we can get home and actually put it together. Um, remember, folks, if you want to support the podcast, head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash reload pod or you can now give us a five star review on spotify do you know that i didn't know that so yeah uh, neil one of our listeners had messaged in to say that he had done it and Class. just to let people know that you now can do it because i think itunes was the only one you could do it before yeah yeah or the only one that counted probably anyway but you, just, you, could, just, now, you could just like on soundcloud aye like a tractor or whatever yeah so whatever way you can do it folks share the podcast throw a few quid into it and keep the um, lights on yeah thanks very much to everyone who has done so yeah, far. It's been down think, very well. I think we've lined up our first spend, and that's a mic splitter. New yes, because this is dying on us. <laughs> My headphones are cutting the night flat out. But as always, folks, thanks for sticking with us, and we'll chat to you again. Yep. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.